Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 84. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an environment, sorry, an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Melanie Hargis. I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Who happens to be your husband? <laughs> I'm glad I got that part right. Uh, I don't know what environment came in there, but... Oh, environment. It's, it kind of works, doesn't well, it? I, I guess. guess it works. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite exactly how we do that every time, but... <laughs> well, welcome to uh, welcome to episode 84, folks. We really appreciate you guys joining us. And um, let's just get kicked off pretty quickly, Miss Melanie. I'm going to... You know, you've heard me use this expression a lot. You dance with who brung you. Yes. And... Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about where that where that kind of came from, I guess you could say. For me, anyway. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's an old, old quote. And I understand before anybody starts hammering us away with emails or whatever, telling us how poorly my English is and my use of grammar, that uh, dance with who brung you just ain't correct, is it? Well. Shoot, no, that ain't right. <laughs> but, um, but the reality is we know that it's not correct grammar, but it's something that... Um, my granddad used to joke around with every once in a while, you know, you'd say something or do something, boy, you better dance with who brung you. And, uh, that's just another way of saying just kind of a little bit about loyalty or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so I thought today I'd kind of share a few stories with you as to some experiences that I've had over the years. that really makes me proud to be a horseman. It makes me proud to be in the horse industry. And, um, so I'm going to kind of honor a few people today and, um, one of which, if you guys listen and follow Facebook and a few other things, and you follow a lot of stuff that's going on in the horse industry, and not necessarily just with horses itself, but sometimes just within our culture, um, we lost a really good um, Western fashion influence this year. Uh, matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, or actually by now, it's actually just a couple of days ago as we're recording, but by the time you get this, it's going to be... Uh, probably at least a week or so, probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mr. Dick Atwood of Atwood Hats uh, passed away recently. And um, I don't know why I miss Melanie, but it really bothered me. It, it really, mm-hmm. it, it crushed me in a way. And I think the reason why is because um, many years ago, when I very first got started doing clinics and seminars and everything in this industry, I'm going to say it was either 1999 or the year 2000, I did an endorsement deal with Billy Cook Saddles, and he he basically built the very first saddle that I ever designed, and I'm going to tell a little quick story about that. Um, we were doing a horse expo way out in the east somewhere, and again, I had just kind of started this whole clinic thing, and I just kind of started traveling around and and doing horse expos and, and clinics throughout the country, and um, just out of the blue, a saddle maker came up to me, and it's a nationally known saddle maker, but um, 
how can I put this delicately? They're just not a real quality saddle. You know, it's not, not, nothing really against them. It's just that they're not one of the better name brands that I liked or I really wanted to be associated with. But I was very honored because they come up to me at the Horse Expo and they told me that they liked what I did. They've been following me, you know, following my career for a couple of years. And uh, they want to know if I would design a saddle for them and then endorse the saddle company. And honestly, at that point in time in my career, I was incredibly honored. I thought, wow, wow, they're, you know, people are recognizing me and they they're right. really want me to endorse their stuff. And uh, so from that perspective, I was deeply honored. But the first thing that hit me was the fact that my first customer was the wife of world-renowned saddle maker Billy Cook. Right. And, uh, but I hadn't talked to Billy in years. I hadn't talked to him since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I kind of went to his saddle shop a lot. His saddle shop was literally within five miles of our house. His house itself and his breeding facility was probably maybe a quarter of a mile from where I grew up. So, um, and how I got to be his wife's trainer was um, – she just saw me riding up and down the roads all the time. I mean, as a twelve-year-old kid would do, I'm literally riding the horses up and down the road and in the pastures and anywhere a twelve-year-old only child could do. And in fact, being an only child, the horses were my entertainment. My horses and my dogs were my brothers and my sisters. So I was up and down the road a lot, um, playing with my brothers and sisters. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But um, going up and down the road like that, Miss Cook noticed, and then she also began to notice. The horses that I was riding, and she had read in the papers where as a 4-H kid, I was winning lots of stuff at the horse shows. So she bebopped down to the house one day, and she asked if I would ride one of her horses over the summer break. And, um, of course, I said yes, and I honestly didn't even, it didn't dawn on me that I was going to get paid to do it. It was Mm -hmm. just one of those deals to where, um, you know, I just thought it was going to be a fun thing for me to do, and I was going to be doing a favor for a neighbor. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the end of the summer, she wrote me a check for like 300 bucks. And I'm thinking, pretty darn rich kid. 12 years old. I'm the richest 12 year old kid I know, man. I just made, I just made $300 riding a horse for fun, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was pretty profound for me. But I never forgot the fact that that's kind of what started it for me. That's what Mm kind of got me kind of thinking that that's what I might do someday. You know, I didn't really plan on it. It wasn't like a diehard plan, you know, at that point in time. It wasn't written in stone, but it was, it just planted the seed. And of course, back in that day and time too, Billy Cook Roper was the number one freaking saddle in the world. I mean, everybody in their world down in, especially in Texas, rode a Billy Cook Roping saddle. So um, it was a very well-known deal. And like I said, we I spent quite a bit of time in his saddle shop. So when the opportunity came up for this company to approach me and say, hey, we want you to endorse a saddle, the first thing that popped in mind is that, well, I've got to give Mr. Cook at least an opportunity to tell me no. Right. So I called him up, and um, kind of like what I was thinking, he didn't even know who I was. I said, Mr. Cook, my name is Van Hargis. Who? Um, <laughs> Van Hargis, I used to live right down the road from you. I can't place who you are. Um, I'm Doug Cooper's stepson. Oh, yeah, I know who you are. What do you want? I'm thinking, wow, he's kind of a abrupt Sweet fella. Guy. You know? <laughs> and um, and I told him, I says, well, uh, had a saddle company approach me, want to endorse a saddle. And who was it? I told him the name. You don't want to put your name on a piece of crap like that. What, what kind of saddle do you want to build anyway? I said, sir, I've never even thought about it. You know, But at that point in time in my career, I did everything. I calf roped, I team roped, I was steer wrestling. I mean, I was doing everything. You know, mm-hmm. So 
Um, and I was showing ranch horse versatility just now started coming about. So I was showing ranch horse versatility. I was starting a boatload of colts. And I said, man, Mr. Cook, I don't know. I don't really ride just one kind of saddle. I, I do everything. I'm, you know, I'm kind of an all around kind of guy. He goes, why don't you just build an all around saddle? Okay. So, uh, he told me then, he said, just put all the specs together of a saddle that you would think would be the perfect saddle for you. And man, I mean, I whipped out saddle catalogs and all kinds of stuff. And I looked in like NRS catalog and I was looking at all the saddles in there that I liked. And I began to write down features. And then I was really specific about my seat in the saddle. I, mean, I like my saddle seats a very specific way for me. And um, so I went back and forth with Mr. Cook asking if this was feasible and if that was feasible and could you do this and could you do that. And he said, you put it together and I'll, I'll build it for you. Well, I did it, sent him all the specs, went and visited with him about it. And a few weeks later, the saddle popped out and it was perfect. I mean, it was his prototype saddle, the very first one, just, he just nailed it. It was absolutely perfect. Well, um, once the saddle was approved, what everybody does in the, in the equine industry, whether it be English or Western, is you take your products to the Denver market. So here we go to the Denver market, and we're going to promote the Van Hargis all-around saddle for the first time. And again, I can't remember if it was 1999 or the year 2000, but it was right there close. Mm -hmm. And um, we were promoting the saddle, and it was like selling like hotcakes. I'm not going to tell anybody what it was, but there was a very specific feature that we found out after the fact that that was the first time that had ever been built on a Western saddle. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell everybody what it was. It was cutaway skirts. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, everybody used what they, or not everybody, but Western Pleasure Saddles had what was known as a, butter, a butterfly skirt, mm -hmm. but not a true cutaway. And to be honest, Mr. Cook thought that was the stupidest thing. thing. Ain't nobody going to buy that. Why in the heck would they buy that? Hell, you're missing half your saddle down there. Why would you? He just had a real hard time grasping it because he was so traditional about building cutters and rainers and barrel racing saddles. And they were all built a very specific way, and, um, and, and rope and saddles, of course. And they were all built a very specific way. So all of a sudden, here comes this kid that don't know squat wanting to do a cutaway saddle. Well, It's amazing now, huh? Oh, my goodness. Now, you, it's hard to find very many saddles without some sort of cutaway feature. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I started a trend. I was just the first one that thought, let's just try it. Let's just see yeah. what happens. I mean, it works great in the Western pleasure world. Why wouldn't it work good in other areas mm -hmm. so we tried it ended up being a big success but because ours was the first on the market and here's kind of a rule of thumb with marketing he who is first wins True. so we were the first one to produce a performance type saddle with that cutaway skirt and it sold like hotcakes well um uh, let's just say Mr. Cook made quite a bit of money on that saddle. I mm -hmm. can't say the same for me but he made a boatload well. of money <laughs> he made he did really well but anyway um while we were there at the Denver market, uh, for those of you who have never been, it's just absolutely amazing. I mean, everything you can imagine that you've ever seen in any Western retail store is at the Denver market. I mean, if it's been made for the horse industry, it's at the Denver market. So all these manufacturers and, and wholesalers all over the world are there trying to sell all their stuff to retailers all over the world. So as I was there, I was just kind of strolling up and down the aisles ever so often well, uh, a new hat had come out in East Texas right about that same time, and I'm sure probably a few years earlier than that, and it was called an Atle Atwood Palm Leaf Hat, Palm Leaf Cowboys mm -hmm. hat. And um, I'm walking down the booth, you know, down all these booths and all these aisles, and I look over to one side, 
And I'll be dang, I took a double blink, and it was Dick Atwood himself, the founder of Atwood Hats. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't resist. I walked over there to him, and uh, and I was kind of, I'm sure I was stuttering. At least I felt like it. I was, Mr. Atwood, sir, my name is Van Hargis. I know who you are. I watched you on the Horace McQueen show. Well, the Horace McQueen show was the Horace McQueen Farm and Ranch Show. It was a program that started like at 6 o'clock in the morning all throughout East Texas. It was uh, filmed at, um, or film for KLTV, which was a local TV station in Tyler, Texas. It went out to like 15 counties in the area. I have no idea why, but everybody and their brother watched that program every morning at 6 o'clock. And it was kind of a tradition. Mr. Um, Horace McQueen had been in the broadcasting business, I think he said 40 plus years before he finally sold that show to KLTV. And um, so he was literally an East Texas icon. Mm -hmm. And of course me being East Texas and Mr. Atwood's from Frankston, Texas, and he's East Texas guy. We're both early morning people. So we were up early watching the show. Well, Mr. McQueen had asked me to be a guest on his show and we, we were on there for about a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently Mr. Atwood had been watching me on there. So when I went over and introduced myself, he goes, I know who you are. I've seen you on the Horace McQueen show. So I just kind of perked up. So, oh, yes, sir. That I was, I've been on there a few times. And um, he said, well, take off your hat. So I pulled my hat off, and he looked at me. He goes, what are you, about a seven and an eighth? And I'm impressed. I'm thinking, how in the heck does this guy know how to fit a hat with a guy without even doing anything but just looking? I guess he's looked at a lot of heads. I guess what I'm thinking. He must have <laughs> just looked at a lot of heads. So um, I said, yes, sir, I'm a seven and eight. And we just kind of kept the conversation going. I told him, you know, I'd had a couple of his palm leaf hats and mm-hmm. loved the simplicity of them. Because back then, you'd literally just dunk them in the I mean, not, I would, but I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. I would dunk it in a water trough, get it nice and wet, and then form it just the way that I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And it would stay. I mean, it was just a good hat. And it was a very affordable hat, too. So it was something if you were doing day work or things like that, it was just a great hat that lasted a while. And, um, and it was a good concept to bring it into the cattle and, or the horse and cattle industry. And um, so anyway, as we were just talking and visiting, he said, well, what style do you like the best? And, of course, he had every style of his hats there at the, mm-hmm. in his booth. So I said, well, I've got one like that, but I really like this one. I like that one. And before you know it, I'd kind of picked out about three that I just kind of liked. And we just kept on carrying the conversation. A little while later, he goes, uh, do you have a business card? Oh, yes, sir. And he looked at the business card. And he, he said, uh, your address and everything on there? Oh, yes, sir. It's, it's all on there. Well, after that, the conversation kind of got casual. We decided we were go. I'd better go check back at the booth where my saddle was being promoted. So we kind of did our departure with each other. And long story short, a few days later, almost a week later, I finally made it home from Denver and I walked around the corner of the house and I looked on the back porch. And there's three boxes. And I looked back there and it was three Atwood hat boxes. And Mr. Atwood had gone to the trouble of sending me three Atwood hats, three Atwood palm leaf hats. Three of the ones you picked out. And it was the three hats that I picked out. Mm-hmm. And he had a real nice little note in there, pleasure visiting with you. And mm-hmm. if we can ever do anything, you just let us know. And uh, long story short, Miss Melanie, since then, this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can get me an Atwood hat, that's mm-hmm. what I choose to buy. Right. If I need one really bad and uh, I go to a retail store and they've got them, by golly, I'm going to buy me an Atwood hat. Mm-hmm. 
So I look at that and I think of Mr. Atwood. He didn't have to do that. And at the time, for me to buy a hat was a, even a straw hat. It was expensive. It was expensive for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a struggling trainer that was kind of getting started, and um, and it was a big, a bigger favor than he could ever imagine for him to give me those three hats. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, never forgotten. In fact, you know as well as I do, I've still got one of those original ones I know. in the closet that mm-hmm. I won't wear because I want to be able to keep it forever. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, that's been at least 20 years ago, maybe 21 years mm-hmm. ago. And uh, so that's one of the reasons I hold Mr. Atwood in such high regard because I look at it like he didn't have to do that. No. He didn't have to send me that hat or those hats. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I really appreciate him for that because it really helped me out. And, uh, and I was honored that he even knew who I was. I thought that was pretty remarkable. And here's a little known fact. Did you know he didn't even start Atwood Hat Company until he was 67 years old? Wow, no, I did not. He didn't even think about starting the company until he was already pretty much retired. And Do you know what he did before? I'm not really sure what he did before. I know he ranched. I know he had some ranching stuff, but I don't know mm-hmm. if that's what he did solely. But, but um, it's not like a whim either. I think for whatever reason, he was kind of led that direction and for you know, one thing led to the next. And um, and I think one of the things that made it really unique, too, Mr. Atwood had a very distinct look. Mm-hmm. And his profile was also... Their logo. The logo for the mm-hmm. company. And um, and I think that was pretty remarkable because he mm-hmm. really came up with a really good brand with that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, over the years... And he, he revolutionized the hat industry because prior to that, everybody had straw hats like this one or something similar to this or Bangor-type hats or whatever. And then uh, Atwood was the first to come up with what they call the palm, palm leaf, leaf with a Western design. I mean, mm-hmm. there were palm leaf hats that people would use almost like a sombrero-type deal right. or a beach hat-type thing or sometimes a little fedora-type looking type of hat. Mm-hmm. But he was the first one that kind of brought that type of material into the western industry with a western crease and all that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and um and because it was affordable it was easy to crease and his i don't know what he treated it with but he treated it with something that that gave it a little bit more body and it just lasted you know what i mean i mean it it really lasted better and and if there was a downside to it it took a little bit more work to get it creased originally Right. But that ended up being a blessing because whatever Cruise that stuff is treated with, it set and it stayed more than the typical palm leaf hat prior to that. So he, hmm. he literally revolutionized the industry. And as growth would have it, he began to grow into like hats like this one. This happens mm-hmm. to be an Atwood hat, but it's made out of that chatoon or whatever they call that type of straw. So it's a they went from the palm leaf to a straw hat. Mm-hmm. And then years later, his son Brooks kind of got into the industry as well. And Brooks kind of talked Dick into getting in, in with the felt hats. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they've got a phenomenal quality of their felt. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sadly, I hate to say it, but I've yet to put myself into an Atwood felt, felt hat. hat. And nothing against them. It's just that we've been very blessed that from time to time people will give us, you know, give us something. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, I guess, they feel like I need to cover up my ugly head. So people <laughs> give me a hat or something. <laughs> but... Um, Hopefully that's not why Dick was so nice to me. Maybe he thought maybe. I just had an ugly head. Or you maybe, did take the hat off and show Yeah, maybe he head. just thought that the hat I had was pretty ugly. I don't know. But he thought, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to send that boy some hats. <laughs> that boy needs some hats. But anyway, I never forgot him for that. I always mm-hmm. appreciated him for it. And it was weird because I guess I just looked like I was a starving little kid or something. Because right were. around the, I know, I really was. 
But right around that same time, um, I went over to Fort Worth, Texas, and I'd been wanting unbelievably badly. I wanted a new arena drag, but mm-hmm. I just couldn't afford one. I mean, those suckers were expensive, and I just went out in the shop and welded one together with literally railroad spikes on the bottom of it, and that's what I was dragging around my arena. Well, it worked. But I was wanting me an arena drag so bad. And around that same time, a company by the name of Arena Works had designed an, a whole new concept of arena drags. It was one that actually turned and swept. And they, it, it was almost like we, we would recur, refer to it as like a rotary hara. In other words, as mm-hmm. you pulled it, it turned freely. The freakiest darn thing you ever saw. I mean, it looked like a giant wagon wheel with spikes on it, you know. It's kind of what it was. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of like what it was. Well, I kept looking at that thing, and in my mind I'm thinking, well, that, that could work. But it had a price tag that was, like, way over my that price That didn't range. work. And, um, and I guess this guy felt sorry for me because I'd walk away, and I'd walk back, and I'd look at it a little bit more, and I'd walk away, and I'd look about it a little bit more, and... And finally, this fellow approached me. He said, uh, you like that arena drag? Oh, yes, sir. That's that's a really nice arena drag. I've never seen one like that. How does it work? And he explained it to me. And and in theory, it just sounded to me like it was the greatest thing since sliced bread for arena drags, especially for small tractors. And I had a fairly small tractor. Mm-hmm. I think mine was like a 50-horse John Deere. So I thought, that'll, that'll work for me. That'd be ideal. Well, um. He said, well, tell, tell me a little about your training business. And I told him, and he kind of chuckled in a way that just basically told me he understood. Mm-hmm. Turned out his name was Randy Snodgrass, and he had founded that company, mm-hmm. and he was also a horse trainer. He knew mm-hmm. what it was like to be starving to death, mm-hmm. <laughs> and which is probably why he does, he started designing arena drags because, number one, he probably couldn't find one that he liked that would work good for him, and number two, he probably couldn't afford to go off and buy one, so he had to make, make himself one. Mm-hmm. And he designed that one that rotated, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Well, through our conversation, and he appreciated the fact that I was broke and had no mm-hmm. money really to speak of. And I honestly don't remember what the price was, but he let me have that arena drag. It had to have been at less than half price, because otherwise I, there's no way I could have afforded it. Mm-hmm. And he let me get that thing at a little bit of nothing. And I went home and, and uh, started Dragged using your arena. <laughs> and I was so proud of that thing. And um, long story short is my popularity began to grow, and I started traveling around doing more clinics, more seminars. I was, I was gone a lot. And, and it broke my absolute heart because I came home one day and my arena drag was gone. Somebody had pulled out there in my pasture and literally unhooked the arena drag. I guess I'm lucky they didn't steal the tractor, tractor too. yeah. But they unhooked my arena drag, stole a welder, my arena drag, and a few other things, mm-hmm. and it just, it broke my heart. And I went years without using anything other than that little homemade one that I had made before. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm gonna say it's been about two years ago, wasn't it? When I when I sent that letter away. No, it's been it probably three, four years. Three or four years already. But um, anyway, I was I was. Scanning something on Facebook, I guess it was, and I ran across an Arena Works um, ad or something, and it it just touched me. It made me realize, you know, made the you favor that your, he had done for me years ago. Your Arena Drag. Well, since then, Arena Works has grown substantially. They've got some of the absolute biggest and best Arena Drags, watering systems, anything mm-hmm. that's going to groom your arena. They've got it, mm-hmm. and so they've 
used Randy and his son's creativity to build these new devices. And um, in my opinion, they're probably some of the best ones on the industry. But as I was reading that ad on Facebook, um, it had a comment thing on there, and I kind of went, no, I'll take it back. It was had the link to go to their website. I went to their website, and on there had this little thing where you could send them a message. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if Mr. Snodgrass would remember me or not, but I sent a pretty nice little letter telling how much I appreciated the fact that it had that arena drag all those years ago. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the fact that he let me have it at, at no cost Discount. or whatever. I mean, really, really half price or more. And, um, and I'd be dang if... I don't know, about a week or so maybe later, he writes me back. Actually, mm-hmm. he calls me, mm-hmm. leaves me a message, and I call him back. He said, Van, I really like that story. And honestly, he still did never admit to if he, if never, he remembered, remembered you or the not. conversation or not. But, yeah. but um, he said, I really appreciate your story. Do you remember what kind of arena drag that was? And I told him, I said, yes, sir, it's three-point hitch, you know, and it was your basic model back then. It was a seven-footer. He said, tell you what, I'm going to put together another one for you, and you just come up here at your leisure, and you come pick it up. Mm-hmm. Excuse me? He said, you heard me. He said, you, you, you just, whenever you get a chance, you just come up here and pick it up. And uh, long story short, he gave me that and, second arena drag. Mm-hmm. And again, that was one of those situations where he didn't have to do that. I mean, those things have gone up in price substantially in those years past. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and you and I went up there to pick it up, and he, isn't he not the sweetest man? He was man? a very nice man. Probably the sweetest, one of the sweetest mm-hmm. men I knew, and and uh, just had we a... Met, I don't know if it was his daughter or his daughter-in-law, but she yeah, I think was that was his daughter, because she's daughter. a trainer also. Mm-hmm. And um, that, to me, is another thing that really touched me deeply, and this is kind of recent. I mean, it was, like mm-hmm. you said, maybe three years ago. Right. So uh, it touched me a lot that he literally just gave me that arena drag because he didn't mm-hmm. have to do that. And he had already cut me a really good deal on the one you know, all those years mm-hmm. before. And I guess what I'm saying, people, is that um, there's some really phenomenal people in our industry. And it's because of people like that that really makes me think of that quote from my granddad. He said, dance with who brung you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's an – and I'd almost laugh if another arena drag company came to me and offered me one well of an endorsement deal. It's not mm-hmm. that I wouldn't need it, right? It's not that we wouldn't need the help on our sponsorships and all that sort of thing. But I don't think I don't think there's a company out there that make me pull away from Arena Works. Mm-hmm. Well, their number situation one, is priceless. Yep. Number one, their product works. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. It's probably one of the best Arena drags I've ever used. And I'm talking about just the basic one. I'm not even talking about one of their fancy ones. I mm-hmm. mean, they've got the, some very fancy oh, ones. Oh, they've got some that are just really, really nice. Mm-hmm. But even the basic one for what we do here at the ranch, I mean, we've got five arenas that we use that thing in. Mm-hmm. And it works ideal, you know, for all of them. Right. And, um, but most importantly, that, that loyalty and that commitment that Randy made to me by letting me have that thing at, at cost is because of the fact that the one that I had that I appreciated so much had got taken from me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, he didn't have to do that. So... Um, I'll support them, you know, forever if I get a chance to and just really appreciate it. So that that's what I think uh, when I hear my granddad's quote that says, dance with who brung you, that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of what pops into my mind about those type of people, the Dick Atwoods of the world and the uh, Randy Snodgrasses of the world, the companies like Atwood Hats, the companies like Arena Works. Those are the companies who get my loyalty, not because they do something for me, because, but because – 
they think enough of the people in the industry that if if you need help, they're going to help you. Right. And um, and I really appreciate people like that. And if if they didn't have to do that, just think about the things they would do for you. Otherwise, I mean, right. they're just that's the kind of people that I think we need to do business with in our industry. And I can't say enough about folks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, really appreciate them. And um, there's another little quick story I want to tell a little bit about uh, the dance with who brung you thing. Many years ago, when I was playing college football, um, and I guess it's the first time since my grandfather I'd ever heard that that quote, "Dance with who mm-hmm. brung you." And um, this really has nothing to do with the horse industry or anything. It's just kind of a really funny story to me that really sold home to me the dance with who brung you thing and the importance of that loyalty deal because um, I was struggling with one of my classes. And um, for whatever reason, Thursdays were usually our easiest practice day. You know, mm-hmm. So Mondays we worked our butt off after the game on, on Saturday. And then we came in and worked Tuesdays pretty hard. Wednesdays were pretty hard. Thursdays was a pretty casual deal. And usually Fridays we were either traveling or if it was a home game, Fridays are what we call kind of walkthroughs. You just kind of walk through all the plays, making sure everything's kind of fresh and you're kind of getting rested up for the game, game on Saturday. Saturday right? So uh, I was struggling in one of my classes. And, um, and I knew it was a Thursday. And I had a major test on Friday. Mm-hmm. So I go to our assistant football coach's office. His name was Bowley Crawford. And I said, Coach, I said, um, just checked in Coach Hawkins' office. He's not in there, but could I ask you a question? He said, oh, sure, Hargis, come on in. So I came in, sat down. What can I do for you, he said. He had a real gruff voice. And What can I do for you? I said, well, Coach, you know, um, this afternoon is our easy practice. You know, Thursday practices are pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach, I've got a test tomorrow that's real important. I mean, I've really got to do good on that test. I might not do so well in that class if I don't do good on that test tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, Coach, I was just wondering, would it be okay if I skipped practice today and just focused on, you know, taking that time, give me another couple of extra hours of study time? Mm-hmm. And Coach Crawford just leaned back in his chair and said, Hargis, uh, did you come play ball at East Texas State University on an, on an academic scholarship? Uh, no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> he said, you're here on a football scholarship. <sighs> said, yes, sir. Well, son, I recommend you dance with who brung you. You went to practice, didn't you? Coach, does that mean I need to be at practice this <laughs> afternoon? He looked at me and winked and said, son, just dance with who brung you. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, folks, I suited up Thursday's <laughs> practice. <laughs> and luckily, I still passed the test. But well, good. Um, Coach Crawford has had a way of putting words together, I guess you could say. I've heard some other stories <laughs> where his words were not as as uh, publicly used. Yeah, let's just say I was one of his favorites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, people, I just really appreciate you folks and um, really appreciate your loyalty and joining us on Ride Ever Stride. Appreciate you guys being a part of us and your comments uh, that you send in to us either through Facebook or email really means a lot to us. We really love knowing that we can be a part of your lives because you're certainly a part of ours. We wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think that we were in some way helping and or inspiring someone. And um, you allow me to do and fulfill what I regard as my spiritual gift and my purpose in life. And if it wasn't for you folks, um, 
let's just say I might not be I might not be dancing a little bit. So I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to dance with who brought us. We we very humbly know and respect that without you folks, we couldn't do what we do. So uh, we want you to know that we're here at the dance with you and for you and appreciate you guys tuning in on us with uh, with our YouTube thing and at the same time listening loyally like you have over the years mm-hmm. uh, to our podcast on whatever medium is your favorite medium to listen to it. So uh, we really appreciate that and thank you so much for that. We really, from the, from the bottom of our hearts, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I think we should leave it at that because honestly, that's the biggest thank you we have to put out there. I know we like to thank all of our yeah. sponsors, but yeah, but um, you know we couldn't do what we did without without them. We also couldn't and wouldn't do what we do if it wasn't for you folks. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that said, I guess we're just going to close and say, remember mm-hmm. that it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride every stride.